Hello and welcome to Opinionated Marketers with me, Charles Nixon and Kieran Kapoor from Cambridge Marketing College. Uh, we were talking last time about the uh, good report from the good agency on the way in which um, companies and brands are responding to the cost of living crisis. And um, we were discussing the fact that um, supermarkets and energy companies were the first brands that people uh, thought about when they thought of uh, companies that should or could be uh, providing assistance. Tesco's, Asda um, were the two that came to mind um, uh, for most of the people within this survey, which was of over 2,000 people and carried out um, in the UK. The element that I think was interesting to us, Kieran, was that they were basically mentioning what they wanted, but they weren't necessarily saying that they had actually seen examples of um, this support coming out from many companies. There's some, the report definitely pays for lots of rereading and looking at the underlying data. Um, but yes, one of the things that they, there was a difference between what people valued and what they thought brands were doing. Um, they felt that they'd seen brands make an active effort to help with food banks. Whereas one of the things they wanted to see brands doing was other things as well. Um, energy poverty was quite a quite a big one so i think it's easy often to go after food poverty um for a brand it's a, it's an obvious thing that you feed that you feed people that are hungry um but energy poverty um children and young people in poverty they can um homelessness they can be bigger things for brands to address and therefore perhaps although people want brands to be seen to be doing something here maybe brands are slightly more reluctant Yes, the, the, the food poverty, the uh, food banks um, that one sees in most supermarkets these days is the obvious one that comes to mind as it's uh, got a physical presence that people see as they go to the supermarket. And it's the one that I think most people would probably think about when it's in terms of cost of living, it tends to be the food. Um, the second one uh, tends to be energy. Um, and there seems to be less support in that area. Um, certainly, uh, given the fact that most of the recipients of this uh, survey were mentioning supermarkets, a um, very small number were mentioning energy companies. What I find quite interesting is the, the fact that much of this d comes to the element of food and supermarkets. Very little seems to be a discussion about uh, companies actually doing um, their bit um, for themselves or, or by themselves. It's always through charities. Um, and uh, the issue that I would have thought was as important was what did companies do in their um, what we would call CSR roles um, uh, that they did directly, uh, whether it was setting up their own charitable trusts or foundations. And, and many of the organizations that one comes across, certainly in the high street and large corporations, do have these trusts. But most of them seem to uh, operate below the radar and don't seem to have come to uh, the awareness of the survey uh, sample um, in this report. Yes, in fact, the, the Good Report actually concludes that one of the best ways for companies to be seen to be doing something in this area is to work with charities because charities are seen as more effective, more empathetic and more trusted. So, in fact, the Good Report actually says, you know, harness this um, 
the, this perception, I mean, this very positive view of charities mm. and make them into your perfect partners far more than, as you say, using a, a corporate um, charity reserve, which you may well have. Yes, I, th I think the the um, the element here for from a marketing and a business perspective is is perhaps don't do it yourself. Um, do it in partnership with those which are perceived as being more expert or um, uh, um, have better what we would probably say, you know, economies of scale in tackling these elements, whether it's mental health, children's poverty, um, or indeed, you know, other areas such as one of the ones that's mentioned, interestingly, is financial education. Um, and I think that um, corporations need to engage more with the existing um, framework um, that's out there rather than creating their own uh, specialist um, arm, whether it's a foundation or whatever, um, and uh, to some degree perhaps um, being seen somewhat cynically by um, proportions of the population as to, you know, them just uh, greenwashing or whatever the, uh, um, the, the term would be in this particular area, um, their activities. Yes, um, I also wanted to come back to the graph that talked about the issues that public feel aren't receiving as much attention, specifically from from companies. And there's, I mean, we talked about the food poverty. I mean, sixty four percent of people um, thought this was important, but only a third of them thought they'd actually seen companies make a difference. The one I thought was really interesting was your um, was the access to um, technology and digital connection, whereas four percent of people thought this was important, and five percent actually thought they'd seen companies do something about it. So there's a perception there that companies perhaps a small perception, but a perception that companies perhaps are doing something, but actually it's not seen as particularly important. Um, ironically, I would say that's a huge area of discrimination as com companies move continually digitally and online and actually start cutting out vast proportions of, of the public. Um, that might be a discussion for another day. So there are definite areas. Um, hygiene poverty, 9% felt that this was important and 9% felt that they'd seen companies do something about it, which makes you wonder if, in fact, it's the company is doing something that has driven the perception that this is important. Yes, um, and and that again is down to, uh, as you say, a perceptual issue. You know, how many people are seeing either adverts or activity that says that we're doing something on this subject. Um, the the elements, as you quite rightly say, is food poverty, which is the main area that people want activity on. The sixty four percent, then mental health. Um, uh, child and young people in poverty needs to be addressed um, uh, and um, energy poverty is the second largest at 48 percent of what most people would like to see uh, affected because these are the ones that are in the uh, public domain or have been in the public domain um, in the media as to uh, whether or not these are uh, the important issues um, going forward of course um, these issues will change as circumstances change and um, climate awareness and environmental aspects may well become more important as we move perhaps into um, a warmer period during spring and summer. Um, but uh, I think from a corporate perspective, it is you know, understand where people feel that there is most need to be addressed and take part in it. I don't think these days that corporations can stand aside um, and they do need to be part of the mainstream rather than trying to do it themselves. 
Um, and this in itself may well boost the um, appeal of the various brands um, of organizations as places that people want to work. Um, and as a recruitment, you know, is one of the things we often come back to that millennials and, and other younger generations want to be working for uh, a meaningful company. Um, and that may also be one of the reasons um, why companies um, are successful in some respects and not in others, uh, either attracting or in retaining staff. I know this is one of the issues that we were talking about off air. Do you want to uh, mention the uh, the Lord's report on employment? Yes, the, the Lord's report actually came out this morning um, saying that one of the big outcomes from the pandemic was the number of people who are now economically inactive who were previously active. And actually it's because the older um, older workers are deciding that they are they wanted to take early retirement. It's something the chairman of John Lewis had actually um, said, some, uh, had commented on a little while back, that saying that there's the vast proportion of the um, the holes that they're seeing in their own workforce are people in their late fifties who are ceasing to wish to work. Um, and the Lord's report actually suggests that this is economically quite a big issue for the for the UK economy, and it makes the UK quite an outlier. Um, what they don't seem to address, but I must admit, I've only heard the headlines. I haven't gone into it in any detail. Is surely part of that is if if it's more comfortable not to work, then people will choose not to do so. I can see why in certain um, workplaces you might choose that actually, well, I can take retirement, so I will. I don't want to put up with difficult working practices. I think that is one of the biggest. Um takeaways from this report. Um, essentially what they're saying is, as you're right, European countries have come back up to more or less pre-pandemic employment levels except the UK. And the UK has seen a shrinking of its uh, workforce. One of the biggest factors is uh, the uh, population between 50 and 59, or uh, uh, the, the fullest one would be to 65, um, who have decided not to go back into full-time work um, uh, out of economic choice. Um, it's not out of ill health, which was the original uh, supposition. Um, it is because they don't enjoy the work that they were asked to do. Um, and they are economically able um, to survive. And some of the reports that I've read is it is of people who are saying, well, I can actually survive, not necessarily in the retired state that they would perhaps like to have done. But um, the enforced um, period of uh, confinement from lockdown has made them reflect on what it is they want out of life. And the working practices uh, in many organisations were such that they didn't wish to return. And it's certainly one of the elements I think that also is um, making itself felt in the fact that you no, know, not everybody wants to return to full-time commuting. Um, when you look back at uh, the old days and the way in which uh, work in practices were structured, it was very much as being a cog in a machine. Um, and these days, that is not necessarily uh, motivating, certainly not for people who have an economic choice. Um, so I think from an employer's perspective, the nature of what work is, how it is structured, how flexibly it is structured and what it means to people, not just economically, but in terms of environmental um, working practice and perhaps the nature of the company that you're working for becomes very important. 
um, and people like John Lewis you know, are making a point these days that it is a good place to work um, and they do good things for their suppliers as well as for their customers um, and their partners. And I think that's an important one, certainly when you might look at the appeals that there are from many of the high street uh, operators these days for getting staff to come back in. But if you dig deeply, it isn't actually a very attractive package. Whilst the, the money may be just above minimum rate, the working hours and the way in which it's structured is very um, well, to be honest, inconvenient if you want to have a, a decent life. So I think the element um, that this report highlights is that we do need to bring about a reshaping of the way in which brands are perceived as offering a reward uh, in, in work um, and perhaps also the way in which technology, to pick up on your previous point, is used in uh, improving productivity. Food for thought for the new year for employers and also for marketers. Yes, indeed. Lovely to speak to you as ever, Charles. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody, and Happy New Year.